Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCready, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCready. I'm so glad to be able to share this favorite read with you from Life Together by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. This is a provoking episode for your views on how you look at his church and the way that we will live in real true community with each other. I also encourage you to go to my free Facebook group, The Producer's Way, join and listen to and watch the two replay videos from my Bold Brethren Challenge. I look forward to us being together in all of these different ways and as we continue here at Tent Talk. Enjoy. All right, here we are in the last of this series, a few of my favorite reads. Today is Life Together by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. And these are his thoughts on Christian community. So I also want to encourage you, if you're not yet a part of uh, the Producers Way free Facebook group, I would strongly encourage you to go over and join uh, so that you could watch the uh, two days of the Bold Brethren Challenge that I just did um, over Wednesday and Thursday. So that's very recent, just in the last couple of days, that you would be able to hear some further thoughts um, you know, on this fabulous, genuine, authentic uh, community that we have been brought into by Christ. So just a few thoughts that, again, will hopefully provoke you to maybe purchase this book, to maybe pick it up and look at it and let it provoke you into uh, thinking about the church, the body of Christ, maybe in a different way. But here are just a few of those sentences And I believe most of them will be out of chapter 1. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Psalm 133. In the following we shall consider a number of directions and precepts that the scriptures provide us for our life together under the word. It is not simply to be taken for granted that the Christian has the privilege of living among other Christians. Jesus Christ lived in the midst of his enemies. At the end, all his disciples deserted him. On the cross, he was utterly alone, surrounded by evildoers and mockers. For this cause, he had come to bring peace to the enemies of God. Now, make note, my friends, right here. That was all of us. All of us came in as enemies of God. And only by his goodness, perfection, and total performance on the cross have we now been brought to him now as sons, as his friends. So the Christian, too, belongs not in the seclusion of a cloistered life, but in the thick of foes. There is his commission, his work. The kingdom is to be in the midst of your enemies, and he who will not suffer this does not want to be of the kingdom of Christ. 
He wants to be among friends, to sit among roses and lilies, not with the bad people, but the devout people. So these are some some very interesting thoughts, are they not? Now, I have shared in these last couple of days over on the Bold Brethren Challenge at the Producers Way Facebook group that this is some of the reason why our fellowship as the brethren is so key and so pivotal that we know we have fellowship with Holy Spirit who is within us. There are angels that are given charge over us according to Hebrews 1.14 and then we have the brethren of the body of Christ, of the church, who are shoulder to shoulder to us. So we are never alone, but my friends, it can certainly seem like it uh, when there is the isolation oftentimes we experience, when we are sent out on assignment, when we are uh, seated, if you will, at his table in the presence of our enemies, And this is why it's so important that we must know that we all were once his enemy. So do we not have an understanding of, if you will, the enemies that come against us? Do we not have an understanding of them? And do we not get it? Do we not have personal experience of what it means to have been an enemy of the cross? Come on now, surely we do. And like Paul We are those who will be able to be sent in to many different situations, circumstances, uh, into people groups, you know, into nations, um, into business and marketing and education, uh, into media, you know, the arts and entertainment. Will we not be able to be sent into every place of culture that may currently be uh, controlled uh, by Uh, the enemy, by those who represent a different kingdom, without being vicious towards them, but understanding, no, I know exactly where you come from and why you operate the way you do, because that's exactly what I was delivered out of. You see, my friends, somebody is discipling your nation. I would humbly submit to you, I doubt it's the church, but ought it not be? that the church is the one discipling nations because of the key and influential roles and assignments that God gives us and the kind of person that we are. This is why our fellowship together needs to be fiery. It needs to be real. It needs to be authentic because it's fellowship like that that is preparing us for when we are in circumstances where we are in assignments and groups and gatherings where everything isn't friendly and lovely. And this is a part of our preparation. So let me continue on. Uh, I get too excited sometimes, you know, and start bringing my commentary in. But I want you to hear these thoughts. So here we are again out of chapter one of Life Together by Diedrich Bonhoeffer. Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. No Christian community is more or less than this. Whether it be a brief single encounter or the daily fellowship of years, Christian community is only this. We belong to one another only through and in Jesus Christ. What does this mean? It means first that a Christian needs others because of Jesus Christ. It means second that a Christian comes to others only through 
Jesus Christ. It means, third, that in Jesus Christ we have been chosen from eternity, accepted in time, and united for eternity. So first, the Christian is the man who no longer seeks his salvation, his deliverance, his justification in himself, but in Jesus Christ alone. The Christian no longer lives of himself by his own claims and his own justification, but by God's claims and God's justification. He lives wholly by God's word pronounced upon him, whether that word declares him guilty or innocent. So you see, my friends, these are words that deeply, deeply provoke us. It also goes on to say, therefore, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged for by himself, he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. You see, my friends, only pride and ego keeps us from thinking Uh, that we need each other, for yes, we certainly do. Now, people are not our source, but they are uh, a resource, meaning as each of us is receiving from God directly, then we have, if you will, a word to be fitly spoken at just the right time, an encouragement, uh, a prayer, intercession brought up for one another. We are key to each other in an interdependent way. There are at least 100 one another scriptures uh, that talk to us about how important we are to one another, but never do we want to misuse others by making them our source, but we certainly are a resource uh, to each other. So let me uh, close out this by reading from um, page 26 in my book, still in chapter 1 that says, not an ideal, but a divine reality. Innumerable times, a whole Christian community has broken down because it had sprung from a wish dream, what I call a fantasy fellowship. The serious Christian set down for the first time in a Christian community is likely to bring with him a very definite idea of what Christian life together should be and to try to realize it. But God's grace speedily shatters such dreams. Just as surely as God desires to lead us to a knowledge of genuine Christian fellowship, so surely must we be overwhelmed by a great disillusionment with others, with Christians in general, and if we are fortunate, with ourselves. By sheer grace, God will not permit us to live even for a brief period in a dream world. He does not abandon us to those rapturous experiences and lofty moods that come over us like a dream. God is not a God of the emotions, but the God of truth. Only that fellowship which faces such disillusionment with all its unhappy and ugly aspects begins to be what it should be in God's sight and begins to grasp in faith the promise that is given to it. The sooner this shock of disillusionment comes to an individual and to a community, the better it is for both. A community which cannot bear and cannot survive such a crisis, which insists upon keeping its illusion when it should be shattered, permanently loses in that moment the promise of Christian community. Sooner or later, it will collapse. Every human wish dream that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished if genuine community is to survive. 
He who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may ever be so honest and earnest and sacrificial. God hates visionary dreaming. Now, now make sure you listen to that in the context of this reading. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. He enters the community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own law, and judges the brethren and God himself accordingly. He stands adamant, a living reproach to all others in the circle of brethren. He acts as if he is the creator of the Christian community, as if his dream binds men together. And then when things do not go his way, he calls the effort a failure. When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going to smash. So he becomes first an accuser of his brethren, then an accuser of God, and finally the despairing accuser of himself. Wow. Wow. This is, my friends, a part of why. We need to all allow our own wish dream, what we think the body of Christ should be. We need to let it go down so that God's heart and desire for his own body of people, the body of Jesus Christ, can begin to rise up as who he meant for her to always be. So this is my point in reading this today, is to provoke you into thinking Have you laid your wish dream upon the body of Christ? Have you tried to make her what you wanted her to be? To fill up the deficiencies of your life rather than Christ being that to you? So that then you can become a functioning, healthy, producing member of his church, of the body of Christ? Let's allow him now to dismantle what is not of him. Let's allow him to let pass that which was once of him but is now no longer and move with him into what he is doing now. So I pray that this has provoked you today, gives you some food for thought, and I'm so glad that we were together here in this uh, series called A Few of My Favorite Reads. I pray that they will provoke you, encourage you to go forward with him in what he's doing. So I love you all. Until next time. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.